I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, February 22nd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, how was your family day? It was good, and I actually owe the Peak Pals an apology. I didn't realize it was Family Day this weekend, so we recorded the Friday edition. I didn't mention that we would be taking Family Day off. And so if you're wondering where we were, uh, I was at a cottage with some friends. Jay, what were you up to? We went to Lake Huron. We went to, uh, I guess it's, it's just south of Grand Bend. Uh, it's lovely out there, especially this time of year where it's very, very quiet. But I have a question for Peak Pals, and maybe for you too, but I don't know how good you are at meteorology or hydrology or... I don't even know what ology this is, but something very cool happens at the shores of Lake Huron in winter, where it looks a lot like the moon. And I'm happy to tweet out a picture of me and the family, basically on the moon. So you go through, we're at the Pinery. So it's a provincial park, great provincial park. You go to the Pinery, you go to the beach. We've been there at the beach in the winter. It's, I mean, in the summer, it's absolutely gorgeous. In the winter, maybe like 300 meters out, maybe more, like a huge mountain of ice develops. It looks like a mountain. Mm. And it looks like you're walking on the moon. Very, very cool. So if anybody knows what how that actually happens, because I do not know, uh, let us know, because it's really cool. It's hard for me to even picture it. Is it like the salt fields in Peru? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the long white desert? Does it look like that? It does. It's white, but also you, you certainly see sand because it's super windy and sandy. So there's you walk through the dunes to get to the beach, and then you see the ice where you know you usually swim. And there's like these huge mountains of sand and ice together and it's just great it's lovely and uh i mean it's freezing cold lovely is probably a strong word but it is unique and i was thinking you know we took uh yours to discover off the ontario license plates but we've been discovering ontario a lot we've talked about it a bit here uh since the pandemic and this is one place that um i'm not sure we ever would explore without the pandemic cool that's awesome i love it and uh yeah if you know what that phenomena is please tweet at us uh we'd love to hear more what one small other thing because we also had the most canadian experience on family day so we were in bayfield ontario which is this great yeah. little town uh, on lake huron and they have a great you know small town skating arena and we did a skate with <laughs> the community skate there had a great time so shout out to the bayfield arena there so um yeah, it was a great, great family day. Aside from skating and ice formations on Lake Huron, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, pipeline problems. For our second story, late Lamborghini. And for our third story, big catch. For our first story, the ballooning cost of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion could fall on taxpayers, according to industry experts. That's despite federal government assurances that no more public funds will be used to finance the project. Brett, let's give Peak Pals some context on the Trans Mountain. Sure, so federal government bought the Trans Mountain Pipeline from Kinder Morgan for $4.5 billion in 2018 after the company threatened to scrap its expansion in the face of mounting legal hurdles and opposition from environmental groups. Now, the Trans Mountain is the only pipeline carrying oil from Alberta to the West Coast where it'll be exported to global markets. The expansion will increase the pipeline's capacity from 300,000 barrels a day, almost to three times that, to 890,000 barrels a day. To the feds, it's a vital piece of energy infrastructure, which is why they ended up buying it from Kinder Morgan. Now, last Friday, Transmorton Corp announced that the cost of expanding the pipeline was expected to nearly double to $21.4 billion, and it wouldn't even be complete until Q3 of 2023. Now, Transmountain cited COVID-19, flooding, and wildfires for the reasons for the delay and cost overruns. Now, in response to Transmountain's statement, the federal government was quick to assure the public that it would not spend more taxpayer dollars and instead seek private sector financing to finish the project. But some analysts argue that this is a, a bit of a sleight of hand. Gwyn Morgan, former CEO of natural gas company and Canacorp, told Bloomberg that, quote, in the commercial parentheses real world, no one's going to finance a project running vastly over budget. Further, the only way for the feds to not spend another penny on it would be to provide a full guarantee 
end quote, to whatever private sector financier steps in. The bottom line, according to Morgan, is this. Either way, taxpayers are on the hook. Now, Brett, do you want to zoom out and explain why this is such a big deal? Yeah, so the federal government pitched its purchase of Trans Mountain as a matter of national interest. It was, they argued, the only way to get more oil from Alberta to the Pacific coast to export to Asian markets where it can command a higher price. Since the project was becoming too risky for the private sector, the government had to step in to get it built. But now that the risk has been transferred to taxpayers, and it's an open question whether the feds will be able to secure a future return on the growing sum of public money they have invested in the project. For our second story, a car transport ship carrying thousands of luxury cars is still stuck in the Atlantic Ocean after it caught fire last week, troubling an industry already grappling with pandemic-related supply chain issues. Jay, is this why my Lamborghini is so delayed? Oh, it absolutely is. Felicity Ace, a cargo ship the size of three football fields, it ain't small, departed Emden, Germany on February 10th with almost 4,000 Volkswagen Group vehicles in tow. Last Wednesday, a fire on the cargo ship in their hold, spread to the rest of the ship less than a week before it was scheduled to make its final stop in Rhode Island. Now, all 22 crew members were unharmed and evacuated, so that's the good news. But the cargo ship and the Porsches, the Lamborghinis, the Audis, and the Bentley vehicles on it had been burning and adrift in the Atlantic Ocean since. And now, a 16-member team from the Dutch Marine Services firm Smit Salvage was dispatched to help control the flames on Friday. Firefighting tugboats moved towards Felicity Ace yesterday as it waits to be moved to the nearest shelter. Now, besides longer delivery times for luxury vehicles, the fire is more bad news for Volkswagen Group, one of the world's biggest automakers, which saw its global yearly sales drop to a decade low in 2021. Now, automakers are already struggling to meet pent-up demand amid continued shortages of semiconductor chips, other car parts, and workers, so damage to the cars aboard Felicity Ace would be another setback. And so, Jay, let's tie this all back together. What does this have to do with Canada's car manufacturing sector? Well, Brett, in Canada, automakers slashed production to 1.1 million units in 2021, which is the lowest level in over five decades. This pushes prices up and forcing people to wait for months at a time for their new ride. Canada's auto industry could benefit from the Biden administration's proposed investments in domestic semiconductor production, but until those plants materialize, which could take years, Brett, manufacturers are cutting production and turning their attention to more profitable models, this according to the Globe and Mail. For our last story, talk about a big catch. Some users of NFT marketplace OpenSea were victims of a phishing attack that led to a theft of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of NFTs. Brett, I'm going to pass right over the obvious irony of being fished on OpenSea, but wow, this is pretty devastating. Brett, tell the Peak Pals what happened to some users of OpenSea and were you one of these users? Okay, well, I was not, and it was a really open sea on Sunday. Right. Now, uh, <laughs> NFT collectors reported that some of their NFTs, including rare Board 8 Yacht Club and Mutant 8 Yacht Club images, that's just crazy to say, were missing <laughs> from their wallets. On Twitter, victims of the hack claimed that one thing they all had in common was the manual migration of NFTs from OpenSea into their personally held wallet, which led suspicion that the world's largest NFT marketplace was actually hacked. Now, OpenSea responded quickly by opening an investigation to the hack, and they announced that the marketplace, in fact, had not been compromised. Here's exactly what they said happened. OpenSea claims the thieves used a phishing email to gain access to users' wallets. According to Marketplace's security firm, users received a malicious email that appeared to be from OpenSea, saying the service required them to validate their wallet to keep possession of their digital art. This let hackers gain access to the victim's wallet and were able to transfer the NFTs to a new wallet, which, in some cases, the hackers could flip for millions of dollars. 
While we don't know exactly the dollar amount of the total NFT is stolen, reports price the missing JPEGs as up to $200 million. And even crazier, in some instances, the hackers return some of the NFTs like a Web3 Robin Hood, <laughs> which brings us to why the OpenSea phishing hack matters. Well, crypto and Web3 continues to be a hacker's paradise, Brett. This hack is nothing new. Cybercrime experts estimate that similar phishing attacks cost the economy millions of dollars a year. Now, as more consumers start playing with crypto, hackers are taking advantage of unsuspecting victims with the same tactics they used to get your grandmother to buy them an Xbox One. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Brett. And Brett, I'm just happy that your sappy seal is safe. Well, I sold it, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, it's already safe. That's not my game anymore. I've moved on. <laughs> You're so much more mature than NFTs. <laughs> yeah. Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay.